I have never, I've never met a historian in the flesh. It's a delight. You just get all up in there. Why not people pissing? I, I, I want to know if I can avoid the pissing time. But it was just the fact that you made the chicken noise after penetration. I shouldn't have looked at you when you did it. That's what woke me up. And I don't want to be seen with a guy with a weird kid. It's just a restaurant outside. I don't know what kind of food you're serving here. Come on in and be surprised. Yeah. Hello, everybody. This is Can't Tell Us Nothing show. I decided to start recording while John is uh, giving me explanation on redlining. Can't Tell Us Nothing is an improv group that. (laughs) 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 This is ASMR? ASMR? You got a piece of paper? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Can't Tell Us Nothing is an improv group. We're talking about redlining. You're turning into, you're t- <laughs> tuned into NPR, I think, considered. Turkey leg hut. <laughs> no, 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 this is a can't tell us nothing show. Oh, uh, <laughs> we don't want to wake up with barbecue. Smoking their house all the time. I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's cool. Vegans. It's cool. Vegans. We are Can't Tell Us Nothing. That's Amici. That's John. That's Tandy. My name is oh. Antoine. We're in an improv group out of Houston, Texas yes, yes, yes. at 92 KELZ. Uh, we are in the studio with a special guest, uh, Brian and Anthony uh, from the Black Men Project. Mm-hmm. Correct? Uh, but before we get into that, what this show is, is we take topics, discussions, opinions, use that to inspire improv scenes right here on the spot, right here on the show. Do that, hop back into the discussion. Now, this is a, a part two. This is part two with them. So if you haven't heard the previous episode, go back, check out the one before we learn more about the project. But we're going we're gonna to keep diving into it because it's a very interesting project. Um, but for those who don't know, real quick, would you mind, again, just giving us a quick primer on what the Black Man Project is? Yeah, still got the robot music. <laughs> yeah. um, a sculptor, a filmmaker, and an anthropologist uh, traveled the nation to create healing space um, for black men to talk. Y'all better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> we stepping our game up, everybody. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Now I'm going to throw it over to Tandy because... <laughs> yeah, I, I told you, you can take it. I'm going to come in. But, um, yes, if you follow... Um, them or the black man project on instagram or facebook you'll see a lot of the work um that they've done that they have uh, uh presented in a oh my gosh just the most moving just beautifully captured photography artistic representation of these conversations of you know maybe just highlighting uh one or two uh people that they interview asking questions uh, I don't know. It just moves me, really, mm-hmm. to see black men be open and talk about, you know, their feelings. What? Oh, man, it's just, it's just it's, it almost moves me to tears sometimes when I, when I see it. But it's just beautifully presented. It's not just, you know, oh, this, this, you know, it's not documentary style where it's just this happened. And then this, you know, narration. It's art. It's, it's, oh, it's just so moving. Thank That's you, so, Tandy. Oh, you are so welcome because <laughs> I, I, I watch this and it pays attention. <laughs> but um, but no, I, I like it. I think it's come a long way because I thought it was just the uh, movie, the presentation that uh-huh. you did yeah. on yeah on film. You can talk about that too because when he uh, came before, go ahead. Man, I mean the reality is like it started with a um, an idea. T- 
took that idea, I applied for a grant, got the, a grant called the Idea Fund, the Andy Warhol grant, and did this film with very minimal budget, but you know, the vision is important mm -hmm. and having a good team around you is important, so we did that. And then we took that and we applied for other grants and another grant allowed us to do what we are doing now, which is broaden the conversation. Um, I say all that to say this. I feel like all old pastor pimps say stuff like, I said that to say this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the prologue <laughs> to what I'm about to say. <laughs> why you got to say that to say to this? Say like, it. why yes. you can't just say it? I say all of that you to say, say this. <laughs> I step up to step down. Um, <laughs> that, you know, don't wait for anybody or anything to help confirm something that's already confirmed, affirmed inside of you. Like, move. Find a way to move. Stop. Fo don't focus on what you don't have. Like, use the tools that you do have, the people around you that you do have, and, like, just make it work. H how did you come to that uh, that conclusion? Like, what, what – did you have a, did a moment that you can – think back to where you realize that, like, yeah, what am I waiting for? Why, why am I uh, a whole bunch of those, man. Honestly, so it's like having people around you that are on the same path, you know, like when John and I met. Um, uh -oh. Can you name out like that? <laughs> like, man, wait, wait, wait. I, 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 I think for a second I was like, uh, J-Dog. Uh, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> like, taking a moment to like really think around think about the people that are around me and how impactful they are and not not I would usually take that and feel small but I started to like reverse that and feel empowered to know that I'm a reflection of the people around me and you know if you don't do the work somebody's going to end up doing the work but somebody slips through the gap if you don't do the work you know when when it's put on your heart to do it so take it's got to be almost really fearless and courageously stupid at the same time you know because it, it society teaches you like that path is not it's not something you should be on like you're supposed to do something that looks very concrete and you can stand firm on and this thing like even being here like this all started with an idea yeah mm -hmm. and now I'm, I'm like i'm walking and talking inside of you guys idea mm -hmm. and like putting forth the effort to make your idea a manifestation of something to people to grasp onto man it takes courage and um i don't know i just got tired of not i, I got tired of waking up and not feeling like i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing and i say all that to say this and i say all that to say this <laughs> <laughs> yeah man I, I hear that i hear that and, and i think a lot of that you you talked about not having a firm, you know, steady job, yeah. right? A good right. job. Good that, job. Get, good, post I mean, office. Get your Cadillac when you turn 65. <laughs> a lot of that, right, comes from fear, right? Yes. We have a, a fear of instability in life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What, how are you not going to know where your next paycheck is coming from, right? But I think that uh, if you have, like you said, a good structure around you, a good network of people that you work with and trust and admire, and also that you believe in yourself and have the intelligence that you will be able to make things happen one way or the other, then that, that's all you need to really take that leap, right? You're right. 
I w you asked me a pivotal moment. It was having a conversation with my great-grandfather, and I asked him what, re what he regretted in life, and he was just telling me about the things that he didn't do. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the things that he did. And I was like, yo, what am I doing? What am I not doing that when I turn 65, I'll be so upset with myself yeah. that I didn't even try? Yep. You know, so I, don't, I just want to die empty, full of, empty of, of like everything that, <laughs> it sounds it sound, it sound like you got real bad real quick, but like when I say empty, they say that the richest place in the world is the graveyard. I want to die empty. Like I don't want to have anything that's inside of me that I was supposed to give to other people mm. inside of me. We cut uh, outside a, we cut inside a medical room, man and his wife on his deathbed. Baby, <laughs> you know, there's no need for you to cry, all right? The Lord's going to take me out of here, but before he do, I want to get something off my chest. Okay. Sh should I leave? Yeah, you should Oh, leave. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a moment. Yeah. All right, baby. Since they rolled me in this operating room... I've been staring at the nurse's butt. And I regretted I never cheated on you. Not once in my life. What? Yeah. I could die a happy man right now. What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me you, other than the cancer that's about to take me out of here. Or at the end of your life, you should be reflecting on all the beautiful things. All, all that God has given you. Oh, he God has given me a lot. That's that's what I'm talking hey, about. Hey, I know okay. I shouldn't be listening to Doors Crack, but uh, <laughs> there you go again. We're, no. I am about to operate on him, so he may not die. It sounds like you guys are planning for him to die. I'm doing my best to make sure it doesn't happen, but I will let you guys speak. I'm sorry. Again, you are at death's door. I think I got an opportunity, Cheryl. No, you don't. She's I trying to save my life. That means she can get it. Uh. And I know I've been faithful to you for 72 years, but I think I've earned the right. <laughs> Before I get leave out of this world, I only had one regret, and I never tried anything outside of you. <sighs> Don't rob me from my, what I my soul is calling for. I won't rob you. I won't, ro I won't rob you, Leroy. You are absolutely right. I should be the understanding wife. That God has put me on this earth to That's be right. for you. That's right. And let you have that. And as you circle the drain, <laughs> I would also like to let you know that I do have some regrets that I think you should know about mm. before you leave here. Mm. And the one thing that I regret is that I didn't go off to Vegas with my girls when they were having that weekend. And, uh, and they had uh, hired those strippers to come with them, mm. and they were going to give them a private show in the room. And I said, no, I'm a faithful wife. I should stay here, but I regret not going. Oh, was that a freaking weekend? I've heard of those. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't be listening. Yeah. I noticed you didn't ask her if you could leave the room, nurse. Say what? Nothing. I was just trying to get you to turn around, that's all. Insane. <laughs> 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 It's a freaking weekend. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. That rolled off the tongue too easy. Yeah. What do you know about a freaking weekend? It's a freaking weekend. weekend. It's a freaking weekend. Everybody it's a freaking yeah. weekend. <laughs>
young young chaps do. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, man. Nobody nobody goes to the grave saying, I'm so glad I worked for forty years at whatever that job <laughs> post was. Yeah. At the post yeah. office. Putting all that overtime weekend. Putting in all overtime, overtime and weekends. Yeah. Mm. And that back that soul crushing job. <laughs> Talk about a life <laughs> well lived. <laughs> like get the heck you out know of here. Another thing, man, is like I don't I don't I don't particularly care for these people. Uh-oh. They complain about what, like Monday, like oh. I, I mean I'm not looking oh. forward to like, but to complain about the whole week, it's Wednesday. You know when you ask your coworker how you doing, it's Wednesday, and then you know you ask him on Thursday, it's Thursday. We almost there. <laughs> like, you cannot almost live your there. whole week for two days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. two like, times for the week. I just don't imagine yeah. that for myself. Yeah. Fifty years of just waiting yeah. for the weekend. Two days. How long are you really living if you're just waiting for two yeah. days? Out? That's terrible. I could uh, I could understand when Jim Crow was around, you know, yeah. and all of that. But today, what? <laughs> <laughs> People didn't have dreams back in the days of Jim Crow. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. I'm just oh, saying it was the barriers to entry were harder. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to try to go and more do more acceptable thing. to complain back then. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was. I mean, it was the yeah. political landscape was just, you know, completely different than it is today. Mm-hmm. Back then, they had real bullies and abuse. No, I'm joking. Um, no, no. I mean, it's just <clears throat> today. I like there. There's a balance of like we're, we're more technologically advanced, so anybody you don't even have to be intelligent today to come up with an idea and sell it to anybody. Um, not to say that everybody should go and do that, but if you are working a job when you have access to cheap education if you want to go to community college or a certification or something like that. There's just so many different ways that you can kind of find your foot and what you want to do that you didn't have 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, if a dude ain't got a job today, and he's working hard not to have one, in my opinion. You know, if a dude, if somebody's working a job today, sorry about that, um, <laughs> then they, they're just apathy. You know, they're apathetic. They don't want the the drive or the fear of trying something that they don't understand or they might not be ready for. But, <clears throat> again, do you want to die 70 years old as a postman? I don't think anybody dreams of being a postman. No offense. No offense. <laughs> Carl Malone. Just lost our post. I mean. <laughs> Carl Malone? Yeah. Yeah. The original postman. The original postman. Well, what, he what's played, his story? I don't know. <laughs> Well, he was an NBA legend <laughs> yeah, that was, that was considered game. the postman because uh, he would, well, that he would, guy. He would always deliver on time. He always delivered on time. Mm-hmm. Um, he might <laughs> he be the only one that. I mean, again, I'm sure we, back we in the day. To Carl <laughs> we cut to Carl Malone's room. Uh, Carl? What's up? Uh, can I ask you a question? I know. Look, you're my dad, son, and dad, I love you. Uh, I want to start with that. Can you keep this short? I was in the middle of moving my boxes around in my room. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about that. Um, you spend a lot of time in this room, son. You, you have boxes. You put stickers on them. You move them in the different crates and bins all day long. Yeah, getting getting real good at it too. And I noticed you have these posters on the wall of guys with knapsacks and letters. Yeah. I don't even know where you got these posters. So from. this one right here, his name is Willie Jackson. He was the first black postman. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's great. To walk around in, in a white neighborhood and pass out mail. Don't you want to pick up your basketball? 
go shoot some hoops with your friends for a while? What are you asking me, Dad? Do you you asking me to not be a part of black history? <laughs> Son, <laughs> of course I am not asking you to not be a part of black history. I don't even know why you would say that. I mean, Carl, I'm just I'm just worried about you, okay? This this stuff it isn't isn't normal. It's not what normal boys do in our neighborhood. Seems to never be a shortage of postal workers, you know, in in the world. So clearly people do it that I just want to be Have the you best. Have done a lot of research on this? Absolutely. I've done <laughs> the numbers. You're 9 years old. Look look at the numbers, dad. Look at the research. It says right Whoa, here. Well, you got to just pull them right out of your knapsack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 25% of the people who apply for post office jobs get them. That's good numbers, Dad. What, what, uh, how, how many people do you think make it to the NBA? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Less son. than 1%, Dad. So you're basically selling your son down a river for a pipe dream. But I, you have a lot of talent on the court, Carl. I've, I've, uh, the the coach loves you and, and and your friends feel like you're an all star. I just I just want to make sure you're living up to your fullest potential. And I don't know if the post office is is that. It is. We we cut the call. Uh, playing high school basketball, he scored like seventy points. <laughs> it's still the first half. He said he got the bench. He take it. The coach taking him out of the game. Hey, call. What's up, coach? Hey, stop playing with those boxes for a second. Let me. Let me <laughs> Think the towels look better in the boxes, Coach. Okay, great. Look, you are a phenomenal ball player. I have never seen anybody as good as you. And I know um, you you want to deliver the mail. Yeah. But <laughs> if there's a way we can combine that with you know playing in the NBA, I, th I think we should you should do that. I just. Hey, excuse me. I'm sorry, Coach. Hey, Carl. I'll say, look, I got uh, my my bills need to go back in. If, uh, can I get these to you? Uh, three of them got stamps on them. Oh yeah, they got uh, stamps. Yeah, you can get yeah, them right here. Like, yeah, I'm just put them in my gym bag. And look, they sent this to me. This not even my this not even my my address. Let me see this. Name. Let me see they, this. I just wrote return to send on that. You think you can take that bag and give it to them so they can get that to the right person? Here's what I do. What you gonna do? You rip off the return to sender and I just drop it off for you personally. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> All right, thank you, Carl. Absolutely. Appreciate it. You did good game out there, too. Oh, don't worry about it. That's not my passion. My passion is doing the mail. All yeah. right. Appreciate All right. it. So what was you going to say, Coach? What was you saying? Um, are you working as a, as a mail <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just prepping myself for when I graduate, I can go ahead and apply for one of them jobs so I could be on a poster in some kid's room, being the best poster, post office that worker that's ever lived, you know. Okay, I think you're setting yourself short. I, I, I really think... You could go off to college, maybe get a scholarship, play play basketball in, in college, and maybe in the NBA one day. You've maybe got the maybe in the NBA? Yeah. You know, I looked up some research on how long you could play basketball in the NBA. You know what the longest career was? What's that? It was only probably about 20 years, give or take a couple years. That's 20 a long years, time. Right? You can make a lot of money in 20 years. Playing you know play. how long the longest post office worker worked? No. 58 years. Really? 58 years. What was that person's name? Willie Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> He's the first black post office worker to deliver mail in a white neighborhood. He lasted 58 years. Wow, I did not know that. I want to be like him, coach. Mm. We cut to Carl's uh, first year in the NBA. <laughs> Carl, you're going to have to do better than this. Your baby can't eat off me uh, selling these postal stamps. You just keep giving me these stamps and thinking that's enough money. That's nothing. My ba the baby needs child support. Look. They forced me to get drafted in the NBA, all right? But I'm not going to accept the money. We're going to work 
as post workers. That's okay? crazy. You could be making millions. That's not how I want to make a living. All right? What are we teaching our kids, huh? To sell themselves out for a pipe dream. As he's having this conversation, he's like taking off his jersey, putting on the blue, the blue shirt. You know, look, look at that. I'm tired of wearing the Chicago Bulls logo, Sharon. This is the only logo I want to wear. That's crazy. We don't have anything in the refrigerator. Just stamps. That's all we have. These love stamps. These forever stamps. These elephants, Gerald's. They beautiful, but they we can't beautiful. eat that. Let me tell you something about a man named Willie Jackson. (laughs) 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 No, but that's that's literally how family, that's literally how families try to talk you out of, you know. Mm -hmm. Granted, basketball is somewhat of a pipe dream, but like my grandmother, not my grandma, my great aunts would literally tell me and my cousin since we were kids that, you know, we were crazy for one to do something artistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there was like, like, that is, you want to grow up and be poor. You want to go out and, and do all these different, you know, acrobatic things that don't, that aren't necessary. Or at least they had no context of what a real artist's life was like. But it terrifies half of our family from doing anything. Mm-hmm. And there's only like five of us that were, you know, stand up to our family members and be like, nah, I'm going to do this, man. Yeah. And I had to tell my grandmother when I graduated college, I did it your way. I got the education. And I value education, but I'm going to try and do my thing now. Amitri, can I actually put you on the spot a little bit? Yeah. Is that okay? Because you actually have a pretty artistic family, I'd say. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll say that. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Did your family kind of view art in a different sense uh, compared to, like, what most people would standardly Uh, look at? I'll I'll, I'll say so. Uh, My mom encouraged it. And in some ways, like, she made us all play musical instruments growing up. Um, so uh, I remember, like uh, in, in England, where I, where I grew up, uh, they offered music music lessons for, for all the kids. You could sign up if you wanted them. And uh, I remember like going home one day and telling her this, and she was like, "You gotta sign up. You gotta sign up for piano lessons because you're gonna be the only one who doesn't sign up, and then you'll feel really bad if you don't sign up for <laughs> piano lessons." So then uh, I did, and then I remember the teacher reading out the names of all the kids who signed up for piano lessons, and just read my name, and I moved on the rest of the day. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, so like, it was kind of embarrassing, but I, uh, I loved it. And to this day, I still play the piano a little mm-hmm. bit and it, it's, uh, it's something I'm, I'm super glad I did. It was like, you know, she pushed me to do it and it, it's helped me with other artistic, uh, endeavors. Uh, my sister still, still plays music, uh, mm-hmm. to this day. She's, you know, she plays in orchestras and, and, uh, uh, does a lot of musical things. Uh, you know, that's become her life and without that push, I don't, I don't think, any of us would have been there. And my, my brother's an actor and an improviser and a writer. Uh, and, you know, my younger brother uh, also does uh, artistic things as well uh, in film. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it was that early push where she made it feel like an important thing, even though she didn't do any of it. Um, you know, she, she pushed us to do it. We yeah. need y'all yeah. at the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to uh, uh, a mother and her three kids in a car. All right, just got back from work, y'all. How's everybody doing back there? You got your blankets? Everybody everybody comfortable? Yeah. Yeah, Ready to go to sleep? That's right. Mama's going to keep you in a car because I want you to learn what it's like to live in one because when you grow up, if everything is great, you'll just live in a car. You'll pursue your arts. 
and you won't have to worry about bills <laughs> and you won't have to worry about anything wait, that's wait, gonna wait, tie wait. you I down. I have a question. I, and I want to see your homework too, Jeremiah. But you go ahead and ask your question. It's hard first. to do the homework because there's no hard surfaces in this car. Let me see your homework. Give me your paper. Not there the it is. math. I don't want that. Let what? me see your screenplay. Remember? My screenplay. You were supposed to be working on a screenplay. I was working on my algebra. Nobody cares about that, Jeremiah. <laughs> okay, screenplays are where it's at. All right, okay. you remember yeah. the story? I about... have the first draft here. Thank you. That's what I want to read. Now give it here. Let me open up my uh, my vanity lamp here so I can read better. And <laughs> he said, turning around. Oh, he's going to read it right now? Okay. Yeah, I am, of course. How you other, well, you're right. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. How's everybody else back there? You got your peanut butter and crackers? Yeah. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your day, Franklin. Uh, I was working on some biology. <gasps> you guys are killing me. Mama, I'm you sorry. You don't care I, about me. I want to be a neurosurgeon. <laughs> that is not important, Franklin. You tell, I tell you every day what's important. What did I say? Be a TV doctor. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> if you're a TV doctor, you can be so many different kinds. Yeah. You don't even have to have a specialty. Look at House. Right. It just solves mysteries. Right. Whatever that means in medicine. You always yeah. bring up House when yeah. he's not the most fantastic doctor. TV doctor. He's Hugh Laurie. He's a comedian. Doesn't yeah. matter. He's the most successful doctor on television. He beats Trevor John M.D. And all of those people are staying elsewhere. <laughs> Listen, TV doctors are where it's at. All right, Franklin, don't okay. hurt mommy's feelings again. You don't have to know anything about, about biology. If your brother writes a great screenplay, then he can include that information. You don't need to know anything. Don't try to act like I'm not looking at you, Derek. I'm looking at you. What do you have? Let me see it. So I was drawing butts in class today. <laughs> I got suspended. <laughs> they really good though, Mom. All the all of my favorite booties in the school. <laughs> I drew them on a piece of paper. <laughs> you don't let them discourage you, okay? Thanks, Ma. Because they don't know what they don't know what animation means at that school. I said it, man. Like we need to get some of them, you know, some more booties up in the. <laughs> The Cartoon Network, man, there's a lot of slim-looking <laughs> animation, but they want to hear that, Mom. I appreciate what, I appreciate your perspective on that. This is you guys listen to your brother, okay? <laughs> we we cut to we cut to the <laughs> the first episode of <laughs> the TV doctor on the show where he picks his butts. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, doctor, we have yes. a serious case coming in. Look at this man's butt. <laughs> that is the wrong shape entirely. <laughs> I don't even think House could solve this one, Doc. No, this is a mystery only I can solve. <laughs> Fuck to booty. <laughs> and they're watching it at home in their mansion, and their mom's there. They're showing her the episode for the first time. So I wrote the screenplay for this. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, Mom, what did you think? Oh, you you're the most, you're the most fantastic TV doctor ever. Thanks. Yeah, I did, I did the casting for the, for the booty guy. Booty. I think that there's, uh, there's this. So it's kind of like the whole thing of like kids getting trophies for everything.
Yeah, participation trophy. Participation, like, hey, hey, you didn't really try. You didn't even go out there and run on the field, but here's a trophy anyway. Like, what the hell is it? I think it's the same. It, to me, it goes hand in hand with the idea that you want to protect your kid from every hardship that they're going to experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, even if you're successful, let's just say on some strange occurrence that you're completely successful at. Hey. <laughs> like, so keeping strange. your kid outside of bullying or whatever can happen, somebody talking bad about them. They graduate, they go into the real world. Your kid is going to crumble on day one when yeah. they go into and they go to a job or some high stress situation, even if they happen to be the CEO of the company. Yeah. Something's gonna they're gonna encounter something or someone that's going to test their resolve. And I think that um to, to John's point, I think that there is some merit to allowing your kid to, to at least experience some hardship. Mm -hmm. you know? No plan survives first contact with the enemy. You, <laughs> you can't just hope that when hardship happens, you'll have what you you'll need. Know. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is why to their project, it's important to have as a um, proactive and reactive source, a place where people can communicate what they're dealing with. Cause it gives you more people to the pot that can help you navigate through mm -hmm. those, you know, that adversity, that conflict, that stress mm -hmm. <clears throat> without that. Um, I know, I grew up with a lot of people, that, a lot of guys that had no idea how to communicate effectively. So it caused them a whole bunch of issues with people and fights and mm -hmm. things that could have been avoided, um, opportunities. And then I also knew that there were guys that had a lot of pr problems and trauma that they dealt with and did not know how to deal with it. So that also sparked a lot of fights and conflict. <clears throat> you know, so like, like I said, having a space to talk about it is a, is a, is a good step in the direction. Um, but I don't think completely removing a kid from any, you know, contaminated, you know, environment is always the right solution, man. These people, these kids are going to end up becoming individuals. They got to defend themselves, um, which we don't like to say as a, like a, as a country. But, you know, like you, you do have to kind of stand your ground. You do have to defend yourself. You do have to advocate for yourself. Um, the world's not going to give you, you know, a million dollars just because you're an American, you know. Not even if you're a white American, you know, <laughs> you gotta you gotta earn everything to a certain degree, unless you're one of those predators who are really good at manipulating people. In 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 these groups, when you have them, is there a, what what sort of like age range attends here? Are there a lot of young minds in the group, or is it mainly the old school? Great question. <laughs> That's what. I'll say this, and I'm, I want Brian to answer this also, because that was one of the things. So, like, in the original format of Unmasculinity, <clears throat> Brian did a great, fantastic job. Uh, I'm not just saying this because he's one of my best friends. I just think that, like, he did a fantastic job of curating the experience mm -hmm. around uh, multiple age ranges. But that was one of the things that we've always been talking about is, like, so when we go to the dinners, a lot of times it's kind of like there's a cap, so we don't have teenagers at the table, Right. And so the reason why we've been successful a little bit more at getting more like the younger voices to the conversation um, is because we go out to the streets um, after we have the dinner. So it's not just the, the dinner is not the only opportunity, I should say, mm. that we have to communicate with people of various age ranges. The same is true for uh, older gentlemen. Um, that's one of the things that we've been like thirsty for is like basically getting gentlemen who are over like 60, 65 mm. to get their experiences that we were fortunate enough to have. Uh, one at the last dinner, and he was very insightful. Yeah. Yeah. Brian? Um, <laughs> I got to pass it over. <laughs> our perspectives are, uh, yeah. perspectives are like, very welcome. And 
you know, like Anthony was saying, one of our biggest challenges was like getting an older gentleman to come and speak and share, um, which is why it's so important for us. Because I don't, when I think about having the salon dinner and people at the table, when I think about the documentary itself, I don't want any one man to look a, a certain way. I want mm. everybody. I want the thuggest, the thuggest, thuggish with the face <laughs> the tattoos. Thuggish, yeah, thuggish, thuggish. I want I want the dude with the face <laughs> tattoos. I want the guy that runs the barbershop. I want the I want the um the, the mill worker. I want I want everybody's perspective because they all come from different backgrounds. Even though they are black, they all have a different, you know, uh, consciousness when it comes to being a black man in America. And so I, I really welcome I really welcome um all of those um those conversations because it's so important, you know, and you know you, in the documentary we have people that are trans, you know, cis, um, fluid, um, and other titles that I, I really honestly don't know all of them, but we want to create a platform for all of those discussions to be fair because I want to know, I want to learn, I learn so much just by having those discussions with those people, you know? Can you tell us a little bit about the documentary itself? What's the name of it and, like, what's it about? Unmasculinity. So the one we're shooting now, so Unmasculinity, the, the first version was, was very limited. It was all Houston-based. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we partnered up together as friends because initially, honestly, Unmasculinity started with that table in Marlon's house with that rum. That's when <laughs> the first, that's when the first idea, not the idea. That's when it was like the seeds were planted. The, the seeds were planted, and so when we became this 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 dope trio. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> I, I was just saying, tell us a little bit about what the movie is about. Oh, okay. It's just men talking about different things, vulnerability, talking about how they love their partner, how they love themselves, and also it's not. Just, I don't like to call it a documentary because. It's, it's not just that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's montages in, in between things that, that speak to the words that uh, men are expressing visually. Um, and, you know, a, yeah, so so many things can be said without saying any words. And so we want to, we incorporate that as well. So it's just, it's just, what did you say, moving art? Living art. Mm -hmm. Living art, yeah. And so... Yeah, I don't. I don't even want to box it in by calling it a documentary. It's just an experience, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. an installation piece, a live installation piece that we are putting together. And I love it because it, what the the parts that I've seen, because I haven't watched the the documentary, but the parts that I've seen, I just love it because it it makes it. Just, let it go, Tandy. Let it go. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> it right. But it, I mean, but it humanizes black men. Did I get it? That's Bingo. It, it makes. I mean, you know, it takes. That's a wrap. It, right. That's it just rap. takes takes them out of this category of this yeah. un. You know, uh, I mean, as a woman, like this misunderstood, uh, supposed to be counterpart. This thing don't fit. This thing don't work. What's wrong with them? But it just takes all of that away. And it, you know, asking a simple question: What was the last time you cried? What? A black man is gonna say on film the last time what that meant to. I'm, 
man, I, it, it's that was New York. <clears throat> I love that. Yeah. I, I love that because it, it's like that. That's right. That's the part that you forget when you're trying to so-called have a relationship or so-called understand what's going on. It's like that's a human being. It's a human. Yeah. And what, what's his experience? What's going on with him? Did I get it, girl? <laughs> listen, <laughs> that is spot on. That what like, it is. It's so that's, spot on. Yeah. For for everyone though. Mm-hmm. Cause you'd be interested to know, like, so many other cultures want to know more about this group of people that they only, the only, the biggest, the only concept they have of them is something they've seen on TV, mm-hmm. which is inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it just, it allows this thing to be more tangible and closer and not so mystifying. So yeah. Just, yeah. 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 I mean, we're, really, we're really trying to uh, seek the truth. I mean, part part of this is that, and Brian hit the nail on the head. Like we, that's a discussion we had after Seattle. We were like, so what is it? How do we distinguish the work that we're doing from someone coming up and saying, well, everybody experiences pain and all men are blah blah blah. But one thing you have to keep in mind, and people always say, well, don't go back to slavery. But there is a complete uh, uh, anthology of is anthology a good word? Anthology of uh, of oppression that happened to black men. Yeah. Just period. We're just gonna Ooh. call it what it is, yeah. and you cannot divorce that from the the product that has uh, become the known uh, identifier of black men today. Like black men are this, black men are violent, black men are this, black men don't treat their women right. All that stuff is institutional. Like all that stuff comes from right. slavery. <clears throat> I mean, just it just it is what it is, and you cannot if you really know your history and you are. It, an intelligent thinking human being, you know that that is the root of a lot of those things. And so we're really on a, a truth-finding mission with this. Uh, we cut to the Houston Rockets. Uh, Segway. <laughs> we, we, we cut to the Houston Rockets uh, locker room after a game. Hey, guys. Uh, I was uh, listening to some of the comments that were being shouted at us during the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. people have a negative opinion of us. They don't know what we really like to do in our free time. Yeah. Well, what, what, type of stuff did you, what type of stuff did you hear? I mean, they were saying stuff about how, you know, we don't know the value of a dollar, that we like to just be flashy and, and you know, drive cars. And they were shouting them. that during yeah. the game? Yeah. <laughs> it was really weird. It was really weird. Yeah, one dude told me when I was shooting free throws that um, – I wear too many flashy clothes in the way to the basketball game, man. Threw my whole shot off. Yeah, oh, I remember that. That's yeah. unfair. Yeah, yeah, why are they saying that? They don't know what we do. Nothing. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was, some guy was pretty close on my net worth, though. I, that was a pretty that was that was a weird one. <laughs> Yelling out my net worth. <laughs> Yelling out your net worth yeah. in front of everybody. In front of everybody. What how is much, wrong with these? People? My debt to income ratio, man. That was yeah. It was a little. Can't be just shouting those things out at value at all. I know. I've been trying to just ignore it. What, are you saying we should do something else? I think we should, you know, do something to, you know, boost our image a little bit. What are you thinking, but, James? Yeah. I think we should start delivering the mail. What? What? Yeah, let's deliver the mail to people. Man, you've been reading that Carl Malone book, haven't you? <laughs> I have. Man. I told you, read something else, Because, <laughs> you know, Willie Jackson was the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, we, we know, know we know. Jackson, you man. talk about it all the time, okay. James. What, I deliver I think, the mail. Yeah, we're going to shove it Well, to he has a point. Yeah. I mean, what? Willie Jackson had to deal with a lot of feedback on his first, you know, his first job as a post smoker. Yeah, people just say a lot of things to him. Yeah. You know, but he was delivering the mail. We cut to Willie Jackson <laughs> talking to his boss. And they said, what now, Willie? Uh, <clears throat> first they uh, 
they called me a, 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 a black piece of broccoli. Oh, no. You know, because they didn't like my afro. Mm. You know, uh, they sucked their dogs on me. <gasps> they, they told me, that. hey, hey, I bet you're going to outrun these dogs, aren't oh, you? Oh, really? That's pitiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to give them the mail. I'm sorry about that. but uh, You don't seem sorry. Well, I mean, you know, I, I extend my apologies, but people aren't really ready for a, a black male man. Uh, you so know, wh they, why did you hire me for this job anyway? I was forced. You was forced? I was forced by the laws of, of the land. You was forced in I was, 1947? <laughs> I was forced to hire a black male carrier. Black that don't make had, no black sense, Black people boss. said that they were going to protest and not accept any mail, and we would have a backlog at the, at the post office if black people didn't accept their mail. What was I to do, Willie? We, we cut back to the locker room. All right, all right, we get it, we yeah, get it. Man. I'm just saying, this time, this time it's pretty dark, you know? No, I'll tell you what, James, man. Look, uh, we're a team, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so if this is something you feel passionate about, I feel passionate about it as well. I say, yeah, let's go ahead and deliver that mail. I don't feel passionately about it, but I'm part of the team, man. I got to go along with it. This is crazy, but I'm going <laughs> to deliver the mail. Hey, man, I, I can deliver the mail as long as I can wear my nice clothes sure. that I paid for. Sure, you can, you can wear whatever you want under this blue shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we cut to the team. It's a, it's a montage of them going through whatever the training session is. They're, they're, they're being taught on a projector, and they're, they're taught how to handle boxes and lift things appropriately, and mm -hmm. they get all suited up in their blue shirts and and, and shorts and getting ready for their first day. All right, guys, you ready to deliver some letters? Yeah. I some guess packages. So. That whole film about dogs, though, that's got me a little scared. I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. Yo, you can outrun any dog, man. You don't worry. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll pull a pick on them. They, <laughs> they chase you, man. Yeah, right, yeah. Man, thank you. You know I, I got you. Back. You can always, you know, pass the box to me. <laughs> Stay up a bunch. <laughs> I can make sure I right. finish that for you. Be open. But all right, all right, all right. Thank you, man. Because <laughs> I'll definitely be open. We, we cut to, they're all riding in the same yeah, truck. Man. They're, they're like, <laughs> two hanging off the side. You go to the first house. The first house, it's a couple of guys on the porch. Like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't accept mail to our house, all right? Stay, keep those, keep those letters away from our box. All right, guys, you ready for this? Oh, we got this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, right. I'm going to guard that one in the front, though. Okay. This is, just like, the <laughs> this is just like trying to score the Oklahoma City Thunder. We know exactly how to do to get around these guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Holy crap. Anyway. How do we even segue back? <laughs> They got out of control really fast. <laughs> yeah, it's all made up. All right, anyway, so that's, that was unmasculine. And you, and you said that was the first version. So there's a second version coming out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, what we're working on. that's what we're working on now. That's why we're traveling. And uh, <clears throat> to broaden the conversation, because Houston is one space. But, you know, masculinity can look different in different spaces. You know, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. You know, I hope it's to take this thing abroad eventually. Oh, I yeah, want that, to add. That'd be a good part three, do a worldwide one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that would be very interesting. Uh, <laughs> Won't he do it? <laughs> but I do want to ask, because you said after the dinners, you guys go to the street to hear from younger voices. I want to know more about that. Like, how do you even, how do you even find the people to talk to, and, and, and how do you structure those conversations? That is, man, it's, it's, it's an art form. But, I, you know, I've been doing it for a while. You know, number one is... 
you know, nine times out of ten, you're in the hood. Mm. You gotta, it, but the hood is the same hood. It's a cadence you gotta walk. You gotta walk like you've been there before, but you don't know where you're going necessarily because you really don't. And then you know, you just ask questions. You know, you ask certain men. What? Because one guy ran from y'all in New York, right? Yeah, he literally yeah. Ran from us. guy literally He's out took of off. And took off running. Thought that wow. you know. Um, <laughs> but also a good a good thing is to like hit the barber shops. Hit the barber shops. You get in good with the 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 the, the matriarch. Yeah. If you can, if you will, of the barbershop or of that neighborhood, then you good to go. You solid. You know, once you find <coughs> that person, you find the OG, mm-hmm. you good. How do you find the OG? The OG ha- looks... looks <laughs> <laughs> Usually has a pimped out. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, it's just a certain... I don't, you just spot them out. You can tell who's calling the cadence, man. You can tell who's calling the shots. And so... Or, like, for New York, we would just, like, hit the streets. Mm-hmm. And, like... It's like, hey, man, this is what we're doing. This is what we want to ask you. Man, I would say a place like New York is probably, they're a little bit more accustomed to that sort of thing. Since uh, I was, it was, you it was, think it, so? was a, it was surprising. Mm-hmm. It was surprising. There were, there we had. I'm telling you, when it comes to cameras. I was going to, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just, it seemed, it, seemed there, it seemed that there was more resistance. And I don't know if it was because, I don't know. I don't know if it's because of the cadence of New York or what the situation is. I've been in New York hundreds of times. Not hundreds of times. I don't know what I'm, I'm lying. <laughs> I've been in New York enough to where it shocked me that when we showed up with cameras, people didn't really want to talk hmm. as much as we thought that they were going to. Because I thought New York was going to be just an open book. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen that way. Yeah. Hey, what kind of food y'all eat? Who cooked the food? Where the food come from? Ooh, well, th- <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, we like to patronize a black chef and eat city that we go to and it's always vegetarian and we don't tell the people that it's vegetarian because we also want to promote healthy lifestyles not saying that if you don't eat meat you aren't healthy i'm just saying that we want to try to introduce you to something different if you haven't already experienced it's always Mm -hmm. fantastic Mm. it's always great like the people usually come to the dinners and they start eating the food and I think they completely forget that it's all vegetables. It's all vegan. It's all vegetarian. And by the end of the dinner, most of the people are, like, asking for seconds. We cut to Mary's kitchen. Mm-hmm, girl, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of men finna come up in here and eat. I am making my prize stuffed pork ribs for this meal. You, uh, would you bring Gladys? <clears throat> well, you know, uh, they say that I'm... One of the slickest in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I took this uh, this turkey mm-hmm. and I filled it up with all of the vegetables in the world has ever known. Mm. That sounds good. That yeah. sounds real good. It's probably not gonna touch my stuffed pork ribs, but that sounds like a good. One. Oh well, what about you, Louise? What you bring? <laughs> um, I have just a lot of baked chicken. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you bake it this time, Louise? Because you know mm-hmm. you are known to go to Sam's and just get them Ooh. rotisserie chickens. <laughs> I, I bake this. All right, all right. I ain't gonna I'm give you too much, okay. uh, too many. You been you mighty quiet over there, Francis. Mm-hmm. You you mighty quiet. What you what you bring? Oh, I got a stuffed log. There you go. Is this stuffed with that, what? What that's yeah. Cheese? No, no, greens and veggies. <laughs> put and greens in a log. In a log. Wait, how did you cook this log? <laughs> in the oven. I am so embarrassed. Without burning down your kitchen. <laughs> the chef. The chef. It was a low heat. It was low heat and low temperature. The chef 
the, the chef that they were going to use here in Jackson could not cook. And he called me as a personal favor because he knew that I was one of the best cooks. And I said I had three other ladies who were coming in and bring some. And you show up with a law. But have you tried it? Though? I have not tried a law. I don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> but we got two minutes. Let's get all this food out there. All right. All right. <clears throat> we cut to after the meal. They ate that log. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. The whole, didn't nobody touch my pork ribs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like I have more baked chicken than my stomach. <laughs> yeah, they just reached in and snatched all the vegetables out of my turkey. Was this some kind of vegetarian? What was this? Yeah. See, the trick is I didn't even, it doesn't even look like a log, right? I mean, it looked a little bit more like a pig because uh-huh. I know a sculptor who can carve and do woodworking, right? And and since I cooked it on low heat, the wood was all soft and tender, so it fall <laughs> right. Asking, and the bark would fall right off. <laughs> they was asking for seconds of that. The log was pulling up the bone. The log was bark. The bark was falling right off to the touch. Where did you come up with this idea, girl? Ah, oh, that's a good question. You should start a food I, truck. <laughs> I think I will. I've been thinking about it and planning and saving. And I would love it <laughs> if you girls would go in on it with me because I respect your techniques. You're right. I mean, you know. How about this? How about this, okay? Uh-huh. I'm going to get that food truck. I'm going to get a, a loan, get the food truck, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to start on the menu, okay? okay? So I'll meet you girls in two weeks. And I want you guys to bring something that's very green. As green as you can get. All right? Okay. To go with the stuffed log. <laughs> we got to, two weeks later, she has a truck. The truck looks like a rolling treehouse. Uh, <laughs> she drives up to, the, to where she's meeting the girls at. All right, ladies. Oh, hey. hey. Time to show what you got. The, the, uh, <laughs> the woodland creature is here. Well, I, I went to the... To the pond by my house, and it was nothing but lily pads out there. So I just, <laughs> I just, uh, just cut off a bunch of them lily pads, cause they were green. Mm. And then I, uh, inside of the lily pad, <laughs> I put a Brussels sprout, and inside a of, single Brussels, a single sprout. Brussels sprout, and inside of the Brussels sprout, I put a little algae, and then I just steamed that, and mm. uh, that's what I got. Okay, mm, it's like a dumpling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a lily pad dumpling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as you can see Glass. here, clearly I went to the Alabama LSU game. Ah, uh, you are slick. And uh, a piece of sod flew off of a young man's cleat. <laughs> when he scored a touch, the game went a touchdown. And I cooked that up in a little broth and brought that here for you. Just sod. That's all it is. You, you said green. Mm-hmm. That is pretty green. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, as you know, I have a pond in my backyard that my Harold does not take care of. Mm-hmm. So there's pond scum all over the top of it. I scooped that off. Ugh. Added a little vegetable broth. <laughs> made a delicious soup. Gotcha. I see you got your chicken breast with you as well. <laughs> I can't get rid of me. It's clean. <laughs> How do you leave with more chicken breast <laughs> than you came If you could just describe your project to uh, a stranger in one sentence, what would you try to? How would you try to describe it? Real quick, I know we pressed on time, but every time we travel. 
to different cities. Keep in mind, it's like four of us in the airport. <laughs> One time in Tulsa, this, this man came upon us and said, Tony, Tony, Tony? Question mark. Mm-hmm. And we looked at each other. We kept talking. He was like, no, guys, Tony, Tony, Tony. Listen, if anybody in here knows what Tony Tony looks like, <laughs> it's me, Anthony, and Marlon. <laughs> and so Marlon was like, Backstreet Boys? You know, he said that back. <laughs> but, and then another time we were in Seattle, it's like we can't, they always think we're some type of performer or some type of entertainer. And Marlon, you know, we let Marlon do his thing. And he's, you know, he tells them we're educators. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for people to, like, really take that and see us as that because that's what you know we see ourselves as um that has nothing to do with the question you asked me so what'd you ask me no it did <clears throat> no it did a lot i said how would you describe it in one line so you said you guys are educators oh, this is yes. like this is your form of education is how i kind of it's healing work man it's healing work is educational work you know i'm learning they're learning we're learning I think because we're black men, we're sub, we're uh, we're experts in the subject matter, and I think what Brian was articulating was the fact that uh, even though we're doing this work out here, like it doesn't change, and we are literally experiencing the very things we're talking about as we're going out to do the work, which is so ironic. Yeah. Because most documentary films, even though we're not calling it documentary, but most documentary films when they're going out they're kind of removed from the project. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whatever's going on, they're behind the lens of the camera, and they're, they're, they're seeking to find something, but they themselves may not know exactly what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. just trying to capture the moment. They're trying to capture this information. So for us, I think that the, the departure for us is that it's living art because it's coming directly from us. It's what our experience actually is. Might I add, man, when we get back, when we notice this from coming from Tulsa, it was we had a really hard time adjusting back because, you know, in these spaces, you know, you're taking on a lot. And so we get back in on Sunday. We all go to our jobs on Monday. And I, I know after Tulsa, we all talked to each other and was like, man, today was horrible. It's a horrible day. <laughs> you know, we're all, and we were all struggling with, I guess, our internal struggles of learning how other men are processing things. And, and then a lot of that has to do with our own internal process of things as well. So, you know, it's like Anthony was saying, it's just a continuation of just learning. I, uh, we cut to a hospital room. Carl, Carl Malone's on the, on the bed. And uh, the reason I called you Rockets in here today, into my room, is because uh, I just want to let you know that I do have some regrets in life. I, I was at the airport the other day and someone said, oh, it's Carl Malone, the NBA player. After all the work I've done in the post office and postal service, uh, and and I saw you, what you guys did on the news the other day, over delivering letters in the neighborhood, and I once I respect that, and then don't stop it, don't stop it, don't just be known as a lowly NBA player, be known as something great. Thank you, Mr. Thanks. Malone. I mean that that it means a lot that you called us here. Yeah. Hmm. Can you tell us some stories about um No. <laughs> Please don't ask him about I was gonna ask about Willie. I know Oh, I would love to tell you about Willie, but I'm I'm just so tired. Good, because those stories always get real dark. I don't want to hear any more stories about Willie Jack. I do know one story. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> we we cut to Willie. 
getting off the truck one one evening after a hard shift. <laughs> oh boy. <sighs> oh, those dogs again. How you kids doing out there? Still on the same corner you were when I left. Oh well, yeah, you, you left us here, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dad. Yeah, Dad. Let me explain something to y'all. One day y'all might hope to be more important with what you are right now. And anything that's great in life, it's gonna come with an ass kicking. I don't know about that, Dad. I, I can't wait to grow up. I'm gonna have a son, and I'm not gonna let him be a post worker like you. I'm gonna make sure he play basketball something important with his life or, or be like a screenwriter or something yeah yeah maybe, maybe a, a tv doctor <laughs> well right now since it's 1947 <laughs> it's you you guys probably are off your rockers right? opportunities are limited because of jim Crow. absolutely yeah. okay. so i'm doing magic right now being a post worker in 1947 and i want some respect for my kids all right well here's your pond scum <laughs> It's nice and green like I like it. <laughs> How's your mama doing? She's fine. <laughs> she asked if you still delivering the mail. We said, yeah. She said, he still can't come into my house then. It be like that sometimes, you know. Tell your mama, I only got one regret. End <laughs> <laughs> <And> scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the Cantos Nothing Show, everybody. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Anthony, for your time. Thank you. Tell people Thank you. more about where they can find <laughs> the Black Man Project and also where you can find uh, some of your work, individual works as well. You can find the Black Man Project at theblackmanproject.com. You can find the Black Man Project on Instagram at theblackmanproject. Um, you can find my work on Pluto Lens, the vegan photographer. Uh, Super Anthony, Anthony Super, uh, on Instagram. Uh, how do you, how do you spell that? S U B, as in boy, E R. Super, nice. the Super. Um, and I have a few projects going up around the city, some uh, public sculptures. So be on the lookout for that. And for can't tell us nothing. That's it's C Tun Improv, C T U N Improv on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Check us out, uh, and of course you can listen to us here. Uh, every Wednesday at 7 at 92 KELZ. And also check out our YouTube if you want to see some video of these shows and, and some of our live shows and some of our content. we got a few skits up there, actually. We like to film some skits as well. So uh, uh, anything else, guys, before we call it? Mm-hmm. All right, then, for Michi, for John, for Tandy, and for myself, Antoine, and for Brian and Anthony, thank you again for our time. That is Can't Tell Nothing Show. We are out. I mean, yeah, I got to go to work tomorrow.